When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, it's David Abern with the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. You know, if there's one marketplace shift that's clear and pervasive, it's the shift to online information gathering prior to making a purchase. Well, my guest today is the founder and CEO of an association that's helping people maximize the price of their most valuable asset by making your home look great to buyers even before they walk through the door. I'm talking today to entrepreneur and author Shell Broadnax with the Real Estate Staging Association about the future of home buying and selling. It's David Averin with the Customer Experience Advantage podcast back in 20 seconds. You're listening to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin, featuring candid conversations with some of the most influential leaders in business today. Sit back and listen in, or feel free to watch the video version online. This is the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast, and here's David Averin. Hey, thanks and welcome to the podcast today. You know, I've had the great fortune of, of talking to business leaders in so many different industries. Some of them are relevant to us in business, some of us are more relevant in our personal life, but everything that we talk about affects how we buy and sell whether we are on the buying and selling side, whether we are those who are selling those in business or those as consumers. And of course, we are all consumers. But of course, the most significant purchase that any of us will do, and many of us will only do it a few times in our life, is the purchase of our home or the sale of our home. And my wife and I just went through this about a year and a half ago. We're new empty nesters. And so we, we took the big house in the burb and we and we got a great brownstone townhouse and we got a we got a walk to restaurants life is great but it was a different time a few years ago now of course these podcasts are a bit evergreen and we these you know people will be listening or watching this at, at various times throughout the years but we're coming into a time right now where uh buying and selling is a little more challenging as interest rates rise, as the Federal Reserve works hard to um, tamp down on, on inflation, of course, the challenge for those who are, uh, are in the industry is rising inflation makes it very, very difficult for people to buy and sell. And so for real estate agents, not that I diminish the work that they do, but there was a time where it was almost just shooting fish in a barrel. You know, you had a listing and you had 20, 30 showings and maybe 10 offers that's not the case anymore. So the things that we have to do to really maximize the value, how do we make it look great? Well, my guest today is Shell Broadnax, an old friend. Um, I've actually worked with her before. I've spoken at some of their events and, and learned so much about the industry, about how important it is to stage your home. So let me do a quick introduction. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to her and ask the question. Shell Broadnax is the founder and, and chief executive officer, <clears throat> excuse me, of the Real Estate Staging Association. She's an expert leader, visionary author, business strategist, global speaker, and an expert on real estate staging. She's one of the real estate industry's most sought after real estate speakers. She's been in the industry 20 years. She's co-author of the book, uh, Home Staging, The Power That Sells Real Estate. It's a guide to getting the best price for your property, whether you're a homeowner, agent, or investor. Her accolades include Staging and Design Network Leader of the Year, two-time Stevie Award winner for women in business, uh, a finalist, and the host of Stager Talk, 
a real estate staging podcast. It's a very long introduction, Shell. I know. <laughs> Shell Broadnax, welcome to the show. Thank you. Gosh, I don't know who wrote that. <laughs> I don't know. That's not, that's not a great. I, I do the same thing when I'm on stage and they, you know, all these accolades and say, yeah, but who do you think? Uh, you want to go, oh, don't look at me. <laughs> um, so, so. I, I was exposed to this industry probably 15 years ago. Um, yeah. I, I bought and sold many houses throughout my life as my kids were growing up as well. But tell us a little bit about sort of the uh, the early years of this and, and the justification and how it's grown. Because I do want to talk about about how we are, we're able to view houses online, the, the weeding out process that we're able to do that we weren't necessarily able to do 15 years ago. So talk to us a little bit about the journey and then we'll talk about how things are changing today. For sure. Absolutely. So I don't know about you, but I remember when I was a young, when I was a kid, parents decided they want to look for a home. What did they do? They grabbed the Sunday paper and they looked in the classifieds for open houses. Yeah. And you drove the neighborhoods and you, that was the first drive-by to look at a home. Fast forward to the internet and now you're looking at homes online. So that's your drive-by right now is- right looking online. So the technology has come on board, obviously, over the last 20, 30 years. Um, but now everybody just does that online and they just swipe, swipe, swipe next and and hit the next one just to look at as many properties as they can, which would normally take them, you know, a whole day to go out and look at that many open houses. Sure. But but back in the day, and, and I think it probably still is the case, you know, you watch some of the, the shows on HGTV or DIY and others and the, the shows like unsellable houses. And so much of what makes them unsellable is they just look like crap on the inside. People love their own furniture. They love their own style. And uh, it it makes it real challenging uh, for real estate agents to find somebody who likes their style. Yeah. And so with homes and staging, there's a definite difference between maintenance issues, deferred maintenance, which right. is a big problem with in, you know, just real estate in general when you're selling something. But then you've got your home that your maintenance is kept up. It's pretty well done. Sure, there can be a few fixer things that you need to do, but that's really where the staging comes into play. And so a stager can go in and if the people are going to live in their home while it's listed, it's a little bit more difficult because you are dealing with style issues. So the stager right. can go in and neutralize somebody's styles, um, collections, things like that can be packed up and put away. So you neutralize and edit down the things that are so specific to someone's one style. Right. They're very personalized. That, exactly. Yeah. Anything personal, you edit that out. And then a stager really has a good canvas to be able to work with. Um, I've seen some really dramatic results where they may only bring in some artwork, light, accessories. A lot of the average humans in, in North America probably don't live in a completely designed styled home with the artwork and the whole bit. Um, certainly people, average people don't even hang artwork the way it's supposed to be hung. So um, you've got those types of issues. So stagers can come in and kind of zhuzh that up a bit and make it presentable. So people are going to want to see it. Love it. How do you, how do you spell zhuzh? I don't zhuzh. know. I just saw that zhuzh. on TV the other night. I, I heard it the other day too. Talk about give uh, give a little zhuzh. Zhuzh is up. Yeah, that makes sense. Talk to talk to me about clutter, um, because I'm my wife and I we're we're obsessed with HGTV. Um, I do a lot of speaking to the real estate industry, you know, and and we joke about the uh, um, the the false impression that people get, you know, by watching house hunters or things like that. Because apparently, if you're looking for a house, you only get three options. 
Is it <laughs> right. the, barn, the barnyard bungalow, the house on the hill, or the charming Cape Cod? Which will it be, right? Exactly. That's not the, that's not the world at all, is it? No, not so much. Um, you know, it's it's funny. Um, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought for a second. I was thinking Selling Alaska. I just love that show um, when you get the three choices of it. And boy, I want to go visit there sometimes. Um, when you are looking at the HGTV aspect of, of this, um, it does give, it gives people an unrealistic expectation a lot of the times. Um, because, you know, back in the day, I've been in this industry a long time, 20 years, one of the real founders of it as a career, you know, to try to get people to do this for a living. Sure. And the problem with the HDTV shows is that it leads sellers to believe that staging costs 50 bucks and Ty or Carter are going to show up with their shirts off and build them a built-in for 75 bucks. And right. that you're going to go to the local thrift store and find this fantastic large mirror for this one wall for 10 bucks. Um, it's just not reality. Um, it's, it's a TV show and it's manufactured and it actually takes, you know, days or weeks sometimes to film an episode. Uh, so those kind of things are, um, give a little bit of a, a, just a misrepresentation of really about what it's about. Right. Well, and, and the other part is that, um, misrepresentation of what it costs to, to fix up the house, whether, it, whether it's remodeling and otherwise as well, people will say, you know, whether it's in Waco, Texas or whatever else, and they've got a total $40,000 budget, they're reshingling the roof, they're given a whole new kitchen, new bathroom, they're taking it down to the studs. And I'm like, that's the cost of a bathroom. Yeah, right. But once again, it's, it's unrealistic. Um, yeah. But but talk to us about about the cost of this. And then I want to talk about sort of the the, the touring and that online aspect. Um, it's not inexpensive, but when you look at the difference between an empty shell where people think they can just envision it, or the second choice, which is somebody else's furniture, um, which is generally cluttered or, or or outdated, talk to us about what the research shows in terms sure. of, 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 of sales differential. Absolutely. So if you're living in the home, there's a saying that we have clutter eats equity. Nice. Your number one asset is likely... The average American's number one asset is the equity in their home. So clutter eats that equity. So if you're living in it, that's why they want you to declutter. And that's why they want you to edit those things out is to more neutralize it, make the space seem bigger. But on the flip side, so staging works for that because you're, you are making it more appealing to people that are going to want to view it. But on the same note, if it's vacant and it's completely empty, when somebody's looking at it, people think, oh, they can just envision themselves living here. Very, very small percentage of people can do that. I think the stats like 10% um, of people can walk in and just visualize where everything's going to go and how it's going to look. So staging absolutely works in the vacant market as well, because stagers that with that, they really zhuzh it up. That's where you come in and you see from a blank slate, a clear canvas that they have actually built an environment that's appealing. Right now, like I said earlier, the drive-by is on the is online right now. So you just don't get those three choices. You get everything. And let's face it, when you're looking to purchase things, what's the number one thing that marketers have created in order to help people make better purchasing decisions? My thing is, it's the filter, especially online, because you can filter right. your results to give you exactly what it is that you're looking for. Home sales is no different. When you go into any of the home sites, you filter by price, 
you you look at what can I afford? Let's bump that up a little bit more. I can't quite afford it, but I'm jonesing for it. So I want to take a peek at it anyway, because if if I could afford it and I really liked it, what, I'm, what hoops am I going to jump through just to be able to get it? Maybe we'll offer them a little bit lower. And so you filter and you sort in order to look at all this. So your competition is literally everything that's online. And yep. the only chance to have it stand out is staging or it stands out in the other direction where you don't want to be remembered for it because it looked horrible. Well, and what we're also finding is that people are catching you at the end of the process. I was working with a, here's an odd connection, working with this dental practice out uh, in Princeton, New Jersey. And they said one of their biggest challenges was that people didn't care about quality anymore. They just wanted the price. And I said, what do you mean? They said, well, they just called me. I just want the price. And I said, oh, you're assuming they don't want quality or they don't they assume they assume that you have the quality. They assume that you have the capabilities. You've caught them at the end of the process. They've already been researching uh, without you, right? They're saying who's qualified, whatever else. By the time they call you, it is down to that. Same thing with homes, right? There's there's finite amount of time. We don't want to drive around town. I mean, we're willing to do so, but we're we're just going to see the houses that we know we already like. And right. to be able to see it and to envision it. But here's what's different today. And you know, this is not only can you see it, you can see it in 3D, right? Yeah. If they're doing a Matterport camera, you can go in that room and rotate and scroll around. It's amazing. Yes, absolutely. And staged homes in the vacants and they're doing that, they look so pristine. They really do. It's like, that's what you've got to compare. You know, when you're a home seller and you're you're looking at, say, can I afford to stage? And I think, oh my gosh, can you can afford not to stage? This right. is, this staging is recession proof, y'all, because in a slow market, a staged home is going to get the traffic and get the attention and sell and the non-staged homes aren't going to sell. And in a hot market, you're going to get multiple offers and sell for over list price. So it's a win-win no matter when it is that you're doing it. So if you invest, I'm just going to use a round number, five grand into staging and you made 25,000 over list price, you you just netted 20 grand. So right. you're speaking with well, great. And you have a better idea because you have better traffic. I think it goes back yeah. to the point you were making that we're, 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 we're scrolling through, we're, we're um, weeding things out online, right? So as, as you look at sort of the process of getting to yes, which is true for so many incremental sales with so many different business models, what's the first yes? Like in my business, because I speak for a living, I need to get a meeting planner to my website to watch my preview video. That's it. That's my, my leading indicator. If people watch that video, I've got a good shot, or at least we're going to have a conversation afterwards. But if they don't, I have zero chance. It's right. the same thing. If they don't at least look online, like what they have and schedule a showing. And then of course you go in there and you want it to look just as nice. They can envision their furniture because they see that furniture. But one of the things I always say in business is your greatest source of lost revenue is the customer you never knew about. Yeah. Right. And I think probably real estate is is indicative of that more than than most, which is every buyer that doesn't come to see your home is a lost prospect, a lost person who might be bidding against somebody else and driving up that price. Yes. So that online experience. So talk to us for a second about how the online experience has changed compared to even five, 10 years ago. Not just that they can look, but what are they seeing today? Because we used to be able to go and so we could see pictures of, of, of different houses. What's different today? The quality. The quality out there is just different. Staging has changed. 20 years ago, David, when I got into this industry, I, I kid you not, people were staging with like, cart, you know those portable card tables? I don't oh, even know. Yeah. They, remember those? The legs extended yeah. out and then throw a, 
um, a tablecloth over the top of it. And it's like, oh, that would never fly today. Right. Or card or cardboard TVs or things like that. I remember they did, seeing those they did have well. the props of that of the cardboard stuff. It just doesn't fly today. And even right. back then, they did um, blow up camping beds for the beds, yeah. and then they deflate. And now it's like stagers, real stagers. No, we're bringing a bed in, y'all. It's a bed. It's a bed. It's solid. Um, people jump on beds. I don't know why it is that people do this when they tour homes, but for some reason they feel the need just to kind of jump up and jump on a bed. And if they used a cardboard boxes in the past and they just sank down, it's dangerous. It's all bad. So that's funny. You just get, you really, it, a lot of these staged homes now look more like a model home, like your typical, you know, when you go see a model home in a track um, somewhere. So you just get a lot better quality. In addition to that, with the professional photography, that's the icing on the cake. So yeah. if you're going to stage it, you have to invest in that pro photography because again, you're being used to being filtered one way or another, your house is being filtered online and it's going to be compared to the other ones and you've got to stand out. Yeah. Well, I like what you said when we're talking about sort of comparing them to model homes, nobody knows more than the home builders themselves about what sells a house, right? And you've got their three or four models and they're, and they're decked out, decorated well as model homes. And so this is an opportunity to help individuals look like they have a model home, right? Even for a pre-owned home to look like a model home, how much do you find yourself having to walk that very sensitive line of people being enamored with their own furniture decorating? I don't need to do all that stuff. My stuff is great. I can declutter a little bit. My stuff is great. How do you have that conversation in a way that helps people get it? Because people are, are pretty sold on their own taste. A like lot everybody of people, says I'm an excellent driver. No, they're not excellent yeah, drivers. No, you're not. We've seen yeah. you. Uh, pardon <laughs> me, sister. Um, that's a great question because um, if somebody's called in a stager already, they already know something needs to be done because if they were really in love with it and they thought it was all that in a bag of chips, they wouldn't have called in the stager. So the stager's got the foot in the door at that point. So the first thing is just to start with a consultation, just talking to the homeowner. What are your goals? What What is it? Where are you going? Where are you moving? We ask why you're moving, figure out the entire picture because all of that actually does matter. And it matters to be able to help them and guide them through the process. Because if they, if, especially if you're in a couple situation and one person's on board and one person's, you know, pumping the brakes, you have to be able to figure out the dynamic of why it is that we're moving and how can I help you reach your goal? So the bottom line comes down to is like the way you live in your home, this is a great quote back from 20 years ago, the way you live in your home and the way you market and sell your home are two different things. Um, so it's one of those things that now it's a product. You can't, you love your home. That's great. I love your purple bedroom with the gold everywhere. It's <laughs> boss. It's awesome. Great taste. But for selling your home, we're going to judge that down a little bit because we yeah. want not everybody likes that. And then it makes this homeowner have to come in and redo something. So even with my own husband, he says, oh, I want to just leave it for them and they can just do it. And I'm like, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching out of our profit. Because if you invest a little bit in some of these things, like neutralizing the paint colors or maybe even a swap out of countertop, then it eliminates the buyer from having to do it and take on the additional cost because most people have the money to get into the house these days, but they don't have money like you did in the 50s to be able to get that fixer upper and just go in and start just doing things over time and making it your own. Um, so you want to give them at least amount of opportunity to reject something. So as long as it's updated, fresh and new and neutral, then they can come in and they can zhuzh it up the way that they want to with the rest of the design plan in the home. 
talk to me about the business model a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, how much of that, um, how much do you own yourself in terms of the furniture? Do people generally rent what they need? Do they build up inventory over time that they can they can select from? Of course, you see it on TV and, and Joanna Gaines will go into their barn and grab this and this and this and all the different pieces. I would assume there's a lot of different ways that people go about this business. There are. There are so many business models. There are stagers that focus solely on the occupied market. They only want to work with the homeowners that are occupied. Why? Great question. I love to answer. They have no inventory. They have no overhead. They, it's just working on that. So they may bring in some art and some accessories. They don't typically bring in like soft goods, pillows, bedding, and things like that because children and pets and you don't want to get your, your moneymaker back that your inventory right. with stains on it and whatnot. So they work with the occupied market. And then the ones that do the vacant, you can either rent furniture in certain areas, but you're going to be limited in your scope and choice. But the professional stagers that are, most of them that are really out there just cleaning house, so to speak, where they have got employees, they've got warehouses that are 15, 20, 30,000 square feet. They've got forklifts, they've got moving trucks. They've got entire teams of people that make this happen. So a lot of times, you know, you're looking at professional staging and I know HGTV makes it look like they just bewitch it and stuff happens. There's a plan that comes into place because they do have to pull their inventory. So they can go and they might have 50 sofas to choose from and they're just shopping in their own warehouse and they load it into a truck. And so they're delivering it. And then homeowners often balk sometime at the fees, but it's like, if you're going to hire Mayflower movers or beacons to come and move you, how much do you think they're going to charge you for just for that move? Right. But a stager's bringing the furniture in, designing it, and then they're going to destage it and take it out as well. And they're making you money while doing it while a mover just made money. Right. Well, and you're moving twice. And you're moving right? twice. Everything in and everything out. But on the TV show, it's the last five minutes of the show. It's like now yes. it's ready for staging. And all you do is see people, you know, doing the karate chop in the middle of the pillow to create the little <laughs> V-shape. And, and, that's, and that's the end of the process. Well, that was fast. It doesn't work that way. What about, tell me about the people that, and we both have talked to a lot of people like this who, who fancy themselves and they, they may be accurate as great designers. I'm really good with my home. All my friends want me to help them with their homes. And they're looking at this as a potential career for them. What are the, uh, what are the, the pluses and what are the minuses? Here's the thing. It's a real legitimate business. So there are people that get into this and like all entrepreneurial type businesses, oh, let me go try this. And they don't realize that you have to work at it in order to make it successful. Um, it just doesn't come to you. Um, so with staging, there's it's very much right brain, left brain. So you've got a lot of creatives like you're describing. I, you know, rearranged my bedroom when I was a kid. I love the Barbie dream house. My friends have me come over and, and you know, rearrange their furniture my husband doesn't know what it's like when I'm coming home, when he's coming home, it, living room's different. You've got those people and that's great. And they have some skill sets and that's awesome to be able to have that. But staging the home, like you just said a minute ago on the show, that's the last five minutes of the project. That's the last little bit that they do is actually stage the home. The rest of it is the business end of it, where you've got to grow the business to get the clients to close the sales. So with right brain, left brain, there's a lot of times the creatives don't have the analytical side and they don't have the skill set to be able to do the sales and to grow the business and figure out the marketing and all of that. So that's where you it does you well to partner with somebody who has the other side of the brain. So that's right. the biggest thing I think in the staging industry 
is that um, very few people have both sides of the brain and you, you, they do gravitate one towards the other, no matter what. Um, but it's right. a and the stamina thing. and the stamina to, to, to keep yeah. at it because it's, it's difficult. It's one of those industries that I say, it's like staging is not a business. It's not getting the gig is the business. Yeah. Staging is the art. Staging is, is the fun part. Staging is the decorating, but the business is getting the gig, yeah. right? The business is getting the client. So how much of that, tell us a little bit more about the model for those who are unindoctrinated, how much of it is dependent upon great relationships with realtors and how many people find uh, stagers personally themselves and and where does that encouragement come from is it the the agent who says we need to stage this is it someone who says i mean take, take us through that yeah absolutely so finding stagers can happen in a myriad of ways sometimes agents just know about staging they seek out a stage or they want a relationship but for the most part they kind of view it as like onesies and twosies i'll call you in when i think that i need it what i coach stagers on is a completely different mindset is that they right now that the model is that they allow themselves to be interviewed to see if that customer wants them for the job and i'm like ooh i don't that doesn't work for me let's flip that script around why are you not interviewing them to make sure they're the right customer for you nice cuz then if you don't you get a pita right and nobody wants a pita and right. You have to screen these people. And when you're talking to them, find out what are your goals? Why are you moving? When are you moving? Can you meet all of their needs, number one? Um, are they finding value in what it is that you do? Have you been successful at selling the value of what you're doing? So they're gonna they're gonna meet your fee and not have a problem with it. Um, so stagers, what I encourage them to do is to become part of the real estate team, not working for somebody, but having a collaborative relationship. So when you're looking towards real estate agents, I say infiltrate where they are. If you want to get business from real estate agents, you need to party where they party. So that means that you join their local association of realtors, you join their women's council of realtors, the builders associations, things like that, because they have networking meetings sometimes weekly, weekly. And they're all real estate agents. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. I don't understand what the right. problem is with people that can't go into a room of 50 people and walk out with a few clients. So you've got to go in and you've got to build the relationship and you've just got to become one of them, become a top producer in your area. Don't wait for it to happen. Go out and do it. So you go to their meetings, you go and you network, you sit down, you talk to them, you're at your meals with them. You don't sell yourself and for the love of everything that's holy in this world, do not ask them to take them to lunch or pick their brain. Right. That's not the approach. Be, I teach staters to be a little bit more elusive, you know, kind of like the Sasquatch. Who is that? Where is that person? Who is that person over there? Be elusive. Ask them about what they're doing in their business. Of course, they're going to ask you, but don't go on and on about it. So how, people how want is, a little bit what they can't have. Right. How important is the, the stager's portfolio online? <clears throat> to give samples of the kind of work they do and the variety. Do you see stagers sort of specializing in contemporary? You get ones who kind of do everything. You certainly the, the Chip and Joanna game gains very much the farmhouse kind of a style. Uh, what are you seeing out there? And what do you advise for the people that you advise? Well, stagers, I think the portfolio is very important. Number one, it should only be professionally shot photos. If you're if you're not willing to do that for your own business, you can really it's hard to sell staging that it's that important Good to do point. it all, right? Good point. So you, you want to put your best foot forward with that and your best work. And he doesn't have to be uh, you know thousands and thousands of pictures. Put, you know, a good 10, 20 projects in there. 
and uh, show the variety of what it is that you do. But with stagers, the good thing is with staging, it's not about their personal style. Um, some things might gravitate, they might have like we call like a signature look, but that's also because they're probably staging the same type of architecture. But stagers, usually their inventory can be very universal where it can go in one type of architecture home and it might go in another one. So it could do something a little bit more modern. It might do a little bit something more bungalow kind of cottagey look, and they should be able to pull off multiple looks. Do uh, do buyers ever ask if they can just buy the house with the furniture? Yes. And that's a business model now. Strong that, business model. Think about it. Say, if you yeah. are, especially in the luxury market, when you're walking into a home and it's really done well, you're like, oh, yeah. this is my jam. Like I done, want done. I done. Yeah. And, and they will make an offer and stagers, it, you know, a lot of them are in the market to do this. We actually had a, a session at our RisaCon um, Matthew Finlinson is a very popular stager in our industry. Yeah. And, he and I actually um, were speaking at the same conference 10 years ago. Yes, he was there. Yes. Um, yeah. he's, he's teaching people now and coaching people. And what he does is he shops his inventory knowing that he's going to sell it. He's in a luxury market. He's in Los yeah. Angeles. It's really good for what it is that he's doing. And during the pandemic, he was able to keep his business afloat by selling the furniture. Because he had the furniture brilliant. and there was a supply chain issue. Nobody could get furniture. Yeah, brilliant. And good guy. All right, put on your, in the last couple of minutes that we have real quickly, put on your, your, your I don't know, crystal ball. I was mixing metaphors. Okay, take out your crystal ball, put on yeah. your magic hat. Um, talk to us, I mean, 10 years from now. And it's hard to predict because so many things are changing. What's it going to look like? Is it going to be virtual reality? Are we going to put on on the uh, on the headset and walk through the homes and and decide at that point what we want to go see in person? Will we ever have to go see it in person? What do you think is coming down the pike? I think we will always have to see it in person. I think there will always be what we refer to as traditional staging with the actual furniture. I think technology is going to take us where you can have it virtually staged. And you see the photos online, but then when you go to the home, you can take your camera phone and move it around the room and hit a button and the picture will come up about how it's staged on your room with like little or maybe QR even codes. see your own furniture in the space. Probably even doing that as well. Yeah. But I definitely think there's going to be some virtual aspect um, of walking through the house with like an iPad or a phone or something yeah. along those lines. Or, or even with the with the the video or the higher definition that we're taking of an actually staged home, but just being able to go through and and from yeah. the perspective, what would it be if I sat here? What would I be able to see from this direction? But yeah, it's all pretty exciting. I, listen, I'm 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 a, a big believer uh, on in the importance of all of this as well. But for me, what's what's fascinating, I think, for audience, is recognizing sort of the business aspect of of how people buy today. And people look online and they weed out those who are not qualified uh, beforehand. And so the things yeah. that we can do to make ourselves look as attractive as we can prior to that, everybody that we lose in that process is a lost opportunity. And as I said, the greatest source of lost revenue. Shell Broadnax from the Real Estate Staging Association. If people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Absolutely. Go to realestatestagingassociation.com. And my email is shell at risa-hq.org. Okay. And shell, S-H-E-L-L. -L. Actually, you can see in the bottom corner for those who are watching the video version of this. Shell, thanks so much for being with us. Nice to see you again. Hang you on. Well. We'll, talk, we'll talk on the other side. So hang tight for a second. Um, 
I grab my prop here. You can pick up a copy of my new book, The Morning Huddle, Powerful Customer Experience Conversations to Wake You Up and Shake You Up and Win More Business. In fact, all of my books are available on Amazon. Some of them, as you can see, strategically located next to my head here in multiple languages as well. Uh, be sure to click to like this podcast, subscribe, and you'll get notifications of new episodes. Click the little bell icon, uh, and you can learn more about my speaking and my consulting on customer experience at davidaverin.com. Thanks again for tuning in to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. Leave a comment, really important, and subscribe. Big thanks to my guest, Shell Broadnax. I'm David Averin. Be good. This has been the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin. Feel free to leave a comment and be sure to hit the thumbs up button. You can listen to past episodes and be notified of future ones by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. David's popular marketing and customer experience books are available in print as well as Kindle and audiobook and published in multiple languages around the world. You can stay connected and learn more at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.